Hey everyone, welcome to Buzzing About Romance. I'm Becky, and with me is Leah. Hi, Leah. Hi. Um, that was not terribly awkward. It was only slightly awkward. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll get there, you know. Whatever. Um, maybe by like our 500th episode, we won't be the home of the awkward intros. But it's kind of our thing now. It almost it is kind of our thing, that. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. They might, like, kick us out. Who knows? (laughs) They're stuck with us. Everybody's stuck with us. Uh, Real quick, before we get into this episode of Buzzing About Romance, I just wanted to remind everyone that the podcast, Buzzing About Romance, is part of the Amazon um, affiliate links in retail. So you can find links on our website that will take you into Amazon's site with our code so that you, when you're purchasing your items on Amazon, can give a kickback to us on um the podcast to help keep the sound on not the lights that's you know fine but we have to pay somebody for the sound (laughs) (laughs) right anyway um now it's awkward now it's awkward (laughs) on this episode of buzzing about romance we are going to (laughs) chat with author carla Sorensen um all about writing sports romances and the Disney effect she puts on all of her mm-hmm. in most of her books. Um, and Disney effect is a new word um, that I just learned last night because I thought it meant something else. But for those that don't know, it means that everybody's a single parent. All these parents are dead. What did you dead. think it meant? Um, I thought it had to do with like the like princess happily ever after kind of effect. Like the Cinderella type thing, like midnight she loses her prince then they get back together that's what i thought disney effect was Hmm. so anyway i'm not smart i never said i was smart i just was curious what you thought it was um okay so uh leah tell everyone a little (coughs) bit about carla okay carla Sorensen is an amazon top 20 best-selling author who refuses to read or write anything without a happily ever after When she's not devouring historical romance or avoiding the laundry, you can find her watching football, British and American, HGTV, or listening to Enneagram podcasts so she can psychoanalyze everyone in her life in no particular order of importance. With a degree in advertising and public relations from Grand Valley State University, that's a mouthful, she made her living in senior healthcare prior to writing full-time. Carla lives in Michigan with her husband, two boys, and a big shaggy rescue dog named Bear. Awesome. And oftentimes, if you follow her on Instagram, she will have Bear. He's a big dog, but he's like on her shoulder. Shoulder? That's adorable. (laughs) Okay, so let's chat a little bit with Carla. Okay, well, welcome to the podcast, Carla. We are super excited to have you here with us. Thank you for inviting me. Um, I'm so excited to like, to ask you. <laughs> Leah I'm not said, terrified at all by that. <laughs> Leah well. sent me a message and she's like, Carla Sorensen has a new book coming out at the end of May. Can I invite her to come on an episode? And I was like, yeah, well, go ahead. Let me preface it with I've never invited anybody onto the show because I'm Becky's second co-host. And so like I was still like, I'm still like getting comfortable with that like c- control and I was like I and I, I was your this. first you were, you were her first. first I am so thrilled to pop that cherry for you 
<laughs> she is like, and I, the only thing I said to her was Leah, you can't fangirl for the whole episode. And she's like, okay, okay. I won't, but she probably will. <laughs> I, can see you, I can see the restraint in your face right now. Like you're trying very hard. Like I am so going to keep it. Cool. I am in control. You are. I can handle it. <laughs> sure. Sure. Um, Okay, so Carla, let's get to know you a little bit and your journey to becoming a romance author. Um, so are you a reader of romance? Oh, yes. I am hardcore. That's probably 99.9% of what I read and have read um, since high school and college. And um, I would say that now kind of an occupational hazard of writing contemporary is it's harder for me the longer that I've written in it to read contemporary. So I kind of have to go outside of my genre um, in order to just truly keep my reader cap on mm-hmm. where I can just enjoy the book. So I would say historical romance is probably 80% of what I read now because it just, I can truly like just sit back and enjoy um, and not get caught up in kind of that writer brain. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's fair. Um, we have a couple of different authors that have said that, that they have to read outside of what they write. So um, we had one author who said, yeah, I really like to read um, shifter romances, you know, as mm-hmm. it, when I'm doing my reading for pleasure, just because it gives them, it, it lets them enjoy it versus looking at it as critiquing someone else's work or yeah. Um, and I know some authors I call it my beta reader brain. It's like, I can't turn off like a beta reader brain if, you know, cause like I have some author friends that I'll read for and your job is to pay mm-hmm. attention to pacing and characterization and motivations and plot holes and all that kind of stuff. And I just, the longer I've done this, um, I still have a few contemporary authors that, I can and do read like Mariana Zapata is one that I'm still able to like, and I wait until I'm in exactly the right mood Mm -hmm. and exactly the right. And I'm like, now I can read this. Sometimes it's six months after her book comes out, but, um, you know, Christina Lauren is another one that like, I can still just devour their books and, keep keep my my beta brain turned off yeah mm-hmm. keep yeah, the historic. enjoyment yes keep exactly. the enjoyment um so what was your last five-star read my last five-star read um I'm just gonna go with the series because I go in spurts where I won't read anything for like a solid month especially if I'm writing hardcore um because I'm the type of reader that I'll just ignore everything else in my life if I'm reading a yeah. book that I'm really enjoying. And so <laughs> I have to be really disciplined when I'm writing because there are days where I just can't afford to sit down and read all afternoon because I have to write. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I was in between books, I devoured a series by Eloisa James called um, The Wilds of Lindau Castle. And it's a six book series great family dynamic like they're funny they were just like they were lovely I don't have any other way to describe it other than just I'd finish a book and just get that reader feeling we're like that was so good <laughs> she <laughs> and, has a, and I have more to go 
she has a great storytelling capacity too. Like she truly, you know, weaves a story. It sucks you in. You feel like you are there with that family living in those moments. I do enjoy her books. Those are good books. Um, so that was a really good series. And the thing I loved about it is it had a family dynamic that you don't often read in historical, which was, it was like, um, a second marriage for both of like the, the matriarch and the patriarch of the family. And so you have like all these step siblings. Um, so it's a huge chaotic family, um, that, you know, his, wife had ran off and then he married this duchess who had kids of her own and they just kind of formed this big crazy chaotic awesome family and that's not a dynamic that you get to read a lot in historical and I really really enjoyed right. it I blew through those in an embarrassingly <laughs> short amount of time well, and typically historic historical you can get a series that's a family series but it's typically like first marriages it's the courtship of the debutante and the titled heir and stuff like that so like the bridgertons you know what i mean right. like it's it's exactly it's the one family and we go through the whole siblings but this was a it was a good dynamic you don't get to read very often i really enjoyed them yeah, I I don't get to historical as much as I used to, um, but I have read a few of those, but I haven't finished the series. I might need to. I've got some free time in the next couple of weeks. I might have to jump down. Yes, you definitely check, should. <laughs> check those out. Um, so Leanne, tell us a little bit about your journey to becoming an author, because you started out in PR in the healthcare field, and that's kind of a big jump to author. It is. And I was in like senior healthcare too. I worked for a hospice company mm -hmm. um, is, is where I worked from, you know, when I graduated college and I had an advertising and PR degree and um, I worked for a wonderful company that I really enjoyed, but I have probably dabbled in writing, I would say all through high school and college. Um, I just didn't quite know how to put together a book. I think mm -hmm. it was kind of my problem when I look back on it. Um, and when I had my oldest son, who is just about to turn nine, I was like, you know, I'm going to have 12 weeks at home with this little person that's not walking or talking to me. And it's just me and him at home. If I ever want to like try this, because I had all these ideas, mm -hmm. um, of the characters that would come to me and like, Oh, what if they did this? And, you know, but I, I just couldn't really get very far. I couldn't get past mm -hmm. the first couple chapters. And that was the first time that I, I read a book about how to write a romance novel. And it, taught me about the things that I just didn't know that I didn't know, which was like story structure mm -hmm. and, you know, the character's journey and how to plot a book. And, and, you know, I had this really rudimentary post-it note board on a giant piece of black, you know, cardboard or whatever that was, you know, plotting out my first book that I ended up releasing in 2000, I think 15. Um, and it was like reading about how to do it just unlocked it in my brain. Mm -hmm. I didn't know about plotting or pantsing or any of that. You know what I mean? Like I wasn't yeah. in the book community. I didn't follow bloggers. I just was a, somebody who liked to read and knew I kind of wanted to try writing stories. I just didn't know how to do it. So um, my first two books took me a really, really long time to write. 
um, because I had two kids and 14 months and we moved and, you know, they took me <laughs> forever life, to write those two happened. books. But, um, well, but even it's interesting, though, that the book helped unlock it for you. Um, because a lot of times we just hear from authors, like I just started putting words to pages, but there are people with personalities that need some kind of guideline, a rubric, so to speak, that helps us just get into the right frame of mind to know mm -hmm. what we're doing. I am very creative within structure. <laughs> I am the most plotting plotter that has ever existed in the universe. Like I can't not it's like my brain can't even puzzle out the story to sit down and write the first chapter unless i know what's going to happen and what's going to lead to these certain things um almost to the point where i i sound crazy when i tell somebody <laughs> like what my process is i forget who i was telling it to and they're like wow you really let that story breathe don't you because i literally will sit down and go okay how many chapters divide cleanly into three so I can do a three act structure and then I'll sit down and like I'll pace out this first act and you know, this is where the rising action will start and now my plot will change sometimes as I'm writing um, sometimes I'll hit a point and I just can't really move forward and so it's like my gut knows something's wrong and so I have to stop and um, maybe let somebody read it for me and tell me something's off yeah maybe try this so it's not like I'm married to that or it's, you know, written in blood and I don't change my plot once I plotted it, but. But there's um, not a lot of pantsing ever. No, 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 no. It like, when people tell me they're pantsers, my whole body like, shuts down with stress just from hearing them talk about the process of not knowing what's going to happen in their story. <laughs> it gives me anxiety. And so, and this is something too, because your characters are interconnected to other stories. You write these family series, you write these sports books that involve teams and we get glimpses of other characters. And I think that that is sometimes something that happens with a pantser versus a planner is a pantser will get mixed up in things or yeah. we get a wrong name or the wrong colored eyes or something like that. So I, you know, I've done that too. I've done that too, trust me. <laughs> so do you keep like a character Bible because it's part of your planning? Do you keep? I sure should. I should have one. I don't. <laughs> so uh, you'd think I would have one considering how, um, how much of a plotter I am, but no, I don't. But I, I have to go back and update um, book files after I've released them because I'll be writing the next book, like especially in the Ward Sisters. I caught myself more than once. I got into trouble with like ages and mm -hmm. how the timelines shifted and I'd be in the middle of one and I go, wait a minute, how old was her twin sister in that last book? And then I have to go back and open it up and go, man, I got their ages wrong. And so I have to Well, go and with back. the twins, like you kind of have to get it right. <laughs> sure do. And like people have birthdays and you have to think about those things as you're writing. Um, so I've learned the hard way not to get too caught up in naming out certain details because they can come back and like bite you. I also For try sure. really hard not to give too many like cultural pop culture references in mm -hmm. my books because then it, it immediately ages 
that book and it dates it. And so you have to be careful when you're writing books that, you know, okay, I introduced these characters 10 years ago. What did I talk about in that book at the time that they were 10 years younger? Right. Yeah. To think about all that kind of stuff. Well, people don't think about it. And I'm trying to think of what book Leah and I just read a book and the book is like seven or eight years old. Was it, it might've been Renna Morgan's. It was, uh, yeah. The rough and tumble. Rough and tumble. Her men Haven. And the, so the series is like seven or eight years old, but it doesn't feel aged. You know, if you think about mm-hmm. seven or eight years ago, that was just the start of, you know, the smartphones being more prevalent in our hands, everybody having an iPhone um, and that yeah. kind of stuff. And this book, it's a lot of phone calling and not a ton of texting, which, you know, we have lots of texting and Leah said that she goes, Becky, this doesn't feel old, even though it's, you know, almost 10 years old. It doesn't feel old because she's just very careful about the pop culture references. Yep. I would say that I've pared down a lot of that kind of stuff just because I feel like it makes it easier for future me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it doesn't have to go back and like possibly fix a file or something like that. Um, and readers are just really good at noticing like, they pay attention to those details and um, they're really, really good at it. I should have somebody go through um, and, and read all of those books for consistency to make sure I didn't mess up hair color, eye color, or anything like that. But um, Create your series Bible, your character Bible for you. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> Super fan. I will trade you a signed paperback. <laughs> If you create what did I mess up in this book? Because I guarantee you there's something. Well, and what's funny about that is, you know, I write books also for Smarty Pants Romance, which is Penny Reed's world, her Mm -hmm. her fictional world. And she does have a Wikipedia. Um, You know, we have a wiki page that we can all access and, and look up character bios and histories and you kind of have to have something like that when you have so many people that are Mm -hmm. as involved in writing in a fictional fictional world as we are in hers and what's funny is that we do have timelines and we have character bios we have all this insane wealth of information we have editors that go through all of penny's books and consistency readers and they still found stuff that we messed up And so like my books there from the first book to the third book, when I got to the third book, I was like, I am not mentioning a single Winston anywhere in this entire book because they find something wrong. (laughs) They are going to find the one thing that I messed up because it's guaranteed. I messed up some sort of detail. They're like, wait a minute. Didn't Jethro retire from here at this day and this time? by handing in his resignation letter to like something like that where we had consistency readers because they're just so eagle eye it's fantastic I mean like that's how you know people are really invested in the world but so funny no Winston's in my book three in smarty pants (laughs) romance (laughs) you know it's funny we did an episode with Jiffy Kate and they had a they had a Green Valley Tennessee story too they're like this author is writing in the world now and they needed to know what reverend we referenced in what book and she's like and then I started to feel bad yeah (laughs) oh gosh it is so crazy to try to keep all of it straight and to to try to like 
and even just how like Penny's brain works in general, you know, I was, um, when I was plotting out, I think my second book, I was on a phone call with her and I said, you know, do you have anybody? I really kind of need a family that fits this general mold. Like I see them being a wealthier family in town and have a daughter about this age. And she's like, you know, yeah. So Bobby Joe Boone married JT McIntyre and he's the president of the chamber of commerce and she owns the bait and tackle. And she starts telling you all their family histories. And like, I've read all the Winston brothers books. I love them. And I'm listening to her talk going, Oh my gosh, I feel so crazy right now because I do not remember these people. And now I'm going to seem like a bad smarty pants author because I don't remember these people. And so she finished talking. I was like, Penny, I don't remember them. How do I not remember them? She goes, Oh, they're not in any books yet. I just like have them in my head, but you can use them if you want to. Well, but it's funny. Cause like they're only mentioned in like a short paragraph in one yeah. of the books. It's like a yeah. random, like citing of them. And she did that after she and I had figured out I was going to use them. And oh so it's gosh, like all so this stuff is so interconnected. Like the woman's brain is unbelievable. I, I mean, like, there's a plotter you know, if you ever met one. I was like, you have made up family histories for these people and you've never used them in a book. She's like, yeah, I do. It's crazy. She must have like an entire town like already set. Oh, we have a Green Valley map. We have a whole map of the downtown area mm-hmm. and where the different shops are and the different stores are so that we can all know, like if we're describing setting, mm. like okay, awesome. if they're going down the street, like Chamber of know Commerce which... is on this street across from this. And this is where the bait and tackle is so that like, we know. I would cool. buy one of those for my wall. It's a whole thing. <laughs> we just yeah. had, so we just hit 30 Patreons on our Patreon campaign and we did a giveaway um, to celebrate 30 patrons. That was one of our goals. And we did kind of a um, Winston Brothers themed basket. So I bought Winston Brother paper doll fabric from Spoonflower. I had the Donner Bakery apron uh, that's part of, in Penny's shop. We had a coffee cup wrap that's also the paper dolls. The paper doll book. I can't remember what else was in that. It was so much like Penny Reed gear. <laughs> There is so much fun stuff that she's got for her readers. Mm-hmm. But they notice everything. They notice everything. You, nothing yeah. gets by them. Oh, no, it doesn't. Yeah, I'm going to go with you on that one because <laughs> some of our, <laughs> some of the, mem- some of our listeners and our members of our Patreon are like rapid fans. I mean, oh, you'll they probably something. found mistakes in my first two books, guaranteed, because. <laughs> They'll say something and I'll be like, oh, I don't remember that, you know, and, and they'll be like, well, it happens here, here, and this chapter on this page. And I'm like, good times. I'm so impressed. I'm honestly like, I am so impressed by it. (laughs) I really am. I don't know. It's just so funny, but I like that it's a world that you can totally be lost in and that you Mm -hmm. can totally feel it. And even though you have all these other authors writing within this world, each story is uniquely their own, which is that small little sweet tie-in. If it's just the town, um, I just I love that. I think it's really awesome. It definitely hit a different part of my writer brain writing Southern Small Town because mm-hmm. that's so far removed from my sports books, and um, you know everything's on a grander scale when you write sports, and so it's it's the stakes are a little bit higher you know, because of the jobs that they do and the microscope that they live under. 
Um, and so then when you write small town, like the rhythm of life is just different. The pacing mm-hmm. of a story they, is going to be different. The pacing of the story is different and how they talk to each other is different and and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I was thinking in a Southern accent the whole time I'm writing all three of those books because, you know, I'm not Southern. You have to make sure that the way that they're talking and the way that they're saying things is realistic. Yeah. Well, even the dynamic of how they interact with like the people around them too, because you figure your sports ones are in Seattle Mm -hmm. and it's not small towns. Like if you're living in a small town, like there's a whole different dynamic when you walk past somebody on the street. Cause I live in a small town and we say hi to everybody you pass, whether you know them or not, you just say, hi, how are you? And you just keep walking. It's like a normal thing for us. But if I am downtown Pittsburgh, which never happens, but <laughs> it could, you just keep walking. Like you don't make eye contact. You don't acknowledge that there's somebody <laughs> passing you. You just, you just walk, you stay in your lane. Well, in writing sports heroes, you know, a lot of times when they're out in public, it's brim down on the hat, kind of trying to keep some anonymity of who they are because they don't, you know, want that fan moment and stuff like that. Um, so, I mean, I, it's really different. You do kind of write in two extremes when you go from your sports world to something like Green Valley, Tennessee, that's, you know, we've talked different pacing, different characters. Is it hard to kind of? Yeah. Oh, it's very hard. And um, I think probably even the the bigger challenge than just switching gears in my head is when you're writing one and promoting the other, sometimes it gets like um, because just the way that our timelines work out, like sometimes I'm promoting one of my word sisters books, but I'm right smack in the middle of writing a book in Green Valley. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of have to shift gears um, a bit there. But yeah, it's just uh, the stakes are different. Like, and so your characters react to things differently. Um, but something that I have always wanted to do, especially with my sports books, is like I still want them to feel like real people dealing with real issues that the average Joe can understand and sympathize with. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's why, like, even in my sports books, a lot of the conflict that's going on, isn't necessarily none, all the books, but like, it isn't necessarily centered around their sport at all. Um, It's about the relationships in their life and their family and their friends and, you know, dealing with, just everyday life emotional issues that somebody who works at a grocery store might deal with or somebody who goes to an office every day or somebody who is a stay-at-home mom and is home with her kids might deal with some of those same emotional family issues. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's still overlap in that regard. It's just kind of their, their day-to-day schedule might be very different. Well, and I feel like your books are very character driven versus storyline driven. We we learn we don't learn about the characters because of the setting. We learn about the characters through their actions, interactions, and the way that they move the story themselves forward. Um, because and so I think that's how we do get these little interpersonal moments with your characters, because you are you do write these very character heavy developed stories. Yeah. That's how I start plotting is 
I kind of sit down and go, okay, what's this person's problem and what do they have to get over in this story? Um, and how can I plot the book and the action of the book and the scenes around that problem? And so, you know, when I look at the Ward sisters as an example, when I introduced those characters and I gave Logan four sisters, I never knew I was going to be writing a four book series about these girls. But we but love them in Logan's we, book. <laughs> I love them too. I mean, they feel so real to me. Like my character feels so real to me. And I, like I, and my husband will vouch for this. Like I will talk about them and their problems. Like they're <laughs> in the room with us. You know, I'll be like, Funny. what is going on with Isabel? I can't figure out what is wrong with her. You know, I'll, I'll talk about this, but like, I have these four people who, when I introduce their characters and when I was trying to plot, especially Logan's story, I didn't know that I was going to be writing four stories where these people all experience the same emotional trauma. Mm-hmm of their mom leaving them. I never thought that through. Everything leading up to that that series just kind of happened in a very organic way as I was moving through those books and <laughs> thankfully it worked out okay. But um, how do you take four siblings who all experience the same thing, but didn't experience it in the same way or, right. or maybe their emotional reaction to it's gonna be different. And that is all buried in what motivates these people what are they afraid of? What do they want? What do they like? How do you take the same issue and have it play out in a way that's still interesting to read? So you well, don't feel like you're reading the same story over and over. But it's and, so true, though, because everybody has a different reaction. Like five different people, the exact same thing can happen to them. But each of them, personality wise, like the surroundings, like they have a different reaction in different way they process. And I, I think you did a, like you did very well with the fact that like all four of them have very drastic, per different personalities, not in a bad way, but like, you're not going to have four sisters who are exactly the same. Like that's just not natural. Right. Well, and there's an authenticness to each of the story. You know, it feels very personal each girl responds differently to the interactions in their life. And so, and their relationships all look very different, you know, for a series that is for people that experience the same trauma and then out into the world, each story reads uniquely its own. None of them feel like, Oh, look, she just mimicked the same <laughs> thing two books ago. Um, <coughs> they each are, you know, very authentic in their story. Thank you. So you went from your um, Bachelors of Ridge mm -hmm. to the Wolves. Like, what made you transition from that those guys to the sports romance? Well, I love football. I have watched football my entire life, and um, it felt like a very natural transition to what am I going to do next? You know, I'm not maybe this is partially the plotter in me where it's like a very uh, structured kind of type A linear thinker. Like I am not typically somebody who's got 10 different little plot bunnies going in all different directions where I'm just 
you know, I have tons of story ideas to pick from. Usually when I finish one, then I think about the next one mm-hmm. and, and I move on to there. So as I was wrapping up the bachelors of the Ridge, like it just felt very natural to say, I love sports. I love football. I know the game of football. This is something that I can do. And it's not a stretch for me to say, mm-hmm. how do I set something in this world? Because I mean, I've been watching football my entire life and it's just, you know, when I was in fourth grade, I named a fish after a university of Michigan player, Desmond Howard, cause he won the Heisman trophy that year. And you know what I mean? Like I, this <laughs> yeah. is something that's just ingrained in me. So it was not difficult to try to set something in that world. And, you know, I just loved the idea of a female owning the team mm-hmm. didn't really know anything about football who didn't particularly want to own the team. Um, and it just kind of came about from that where it was like, I think that'd be really fun. Like, I think that'd be a fun spin on, cause I want her involved in this world and not just meet a football player somewhere. Yeah. Right. To be more than just one of the wags. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it gives it a different dynamic too, because typically it is like she's becomes one of the wags, but like there there are female owners out in the world. Like it's not unheard of, but you want more from it. Uh, actually, <laughs> one of the most fascinating stories that I read, because I I like I try to always do my research to make sure that like I'm not just writing a plot because I want to write a plot. Like, does right. it make sense? Is it really realistic? And obviously, we suspend some disbelief as, as we're reading our books and writing our books. Um, but I wanted to make sure like, can you lead somebody a professional sports team in your will and have them inherit it? And you can, that is something mm-hmm. that you can do. And when I was reading about, um, and of course this was a few years ago that I was doing all of this research, but, um, the woman who owns the Chicago bears, I think she's still the oldest living NFL team owner. And what's really fascinating about her story is that her family purchased the bears for like 10 bucks or something like that. It was insane. And they actually created their wealth from owning the bears. And so they were just like a regular blue collar family who bought the bears, however, like a long, long time ago. And she's like one of the oldest living owners and she owns the Chicago Bears and is a billionaire. So, (laughs) well, and I think of like the, there was a husband and wife that owned the Golden State Warriors, the basketball team, and it became like this bargaining tool in their divorce. And then dude passed away and it went to her because they hadn't been divorced yet. And then her kids and his kids came after her. Like it was this whole other thing. And in the end, she ended up keeping it. I mean, it was, you know, California. Um, So it just, it's very interesting, the dynamic that changes when it's something that someone inherits in a divorce or inherits through a will or something like that. So, and just, you know, turning the tide of it being, you know, a female owner Mm -hmm. in a very male dominated world. A very male dominated world. And also that she could be somebody who you know, prior to owning the team, she was kind of known just as like a, not a wannabe influencer, but, you know, she wasn't particularly famous for any one thing. 
She's right. famous for being famous, right? Mm-hmm. And so how do you take somebody that might not be taken seriously in, yeah. in an industry like that and have her kind of prove herself and find her footing? And obviously that's, that's where we met Logan for the first time. Right. And the first mention of his sisters um, came from just one scene where they're at the first team meeting and the guys are like checking out her inst- like a shot of her in a bikini or something. And Logan is the guy who's like, knock it off, put your phone away. She's your new boss. And I kind of had a moment as I was writing it. Cause like, I'm really big on like, why would my characters do this? I can't just have them do it. Cause I want them to do it. Why would they do it? Everybody has a reason why they do things. Yeah. And so I was like, well, he probably has a crap ton of women in his life that he really loves and respects. If he's going to speak up in a team meeting with all these other professional athletes and say, knock it off, put your phone away. That's rude. It's disrespectful. Yeah. And so I was like, eh, he's got four sisters. sisters. Why not? <laughs> and who knew that the four sisters would spin into this? Oh, everyone's own obsession. <laughs> um, I'm not quite ready to say goodbye to them yet. I can see that though. But Within the four sisters, you actually write different sports. You didn't just stay in the football world. You have a soccer player and an mm-hmm. MMA fighter and a snowboarder and then a hockey player, right? No, no he plays um, football. another football player. Football player. <laughs> okay, like, sorry. hang on a second. I can answer this. <laughs> I got right. this. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, they go football, sorry. <clears throat> snowboard, soccer, yep. MMA. Okay. Yeah. And that kind of came about just from my own inability to like, it just didn't make sense to me that these four sisters of a football player would all end up with football players. It just seemed really unlikely to me, Mm -hmm. but I wanted it to be a sports series. Um, And I was like, I know I can make it work. Some of them might be more sports heavy than others. Um, but that's okay because at the end of the day, like people get invested in the characters. And so it's not as much about the sports. Mm-hmm. Well, that, um, that was one thing I liked because like Claire and Bauer's story, which is the second sister for you, Becky, um, there was them all. Stop <laughs> it. I just, I am terrible with names. Have you met me? I have, but I like that it wasn't there. They talked about Bauer and his snowboarding, but like it wasn't a central focus of it. Mm-hmm. And even with Leah and Jude, like they talked about it and it was a deciding factor towards the end. But again, it wasn't just all about the soccer, which I like that you had the the interconnections between the sports and it's like Logan's like another sports guy. Like, (laughs) of course. That scene where he's like, why couldn't you guys like marry an accountant or something like (laughs) Yes. Oh my goodness. Um, So... So do you have to research these other sports? Because you still, even if they're not heavy in the sports stories, you know, like, you know, we were lucky enough, we got to read an advanced copy of Forbidden that is coming out. Um, It'll have come out Tuesday and this episode drops on Sunday. So if you haven't read it yet, guys, pick it up. Um, It, even though he's retired, he still has aspects of it. You know, they still, the training and stuff like that. So do you have to do research on all these other sports now? Yeah, I do research on it. I um, I would say that like when I looked at Forbidden, I watched um, a lot of videos about how MMA fighters would train or how they might help somebody train. That's a terrible I job, re- isn't it? <laughs> well, it is. And I listened to my husband, actually. This is the piece that my husband gets really into is he'll like 
he'll know what I'm writing. And so he'll maybe like send me a podcast or something like that. So, you know, I listened to a Joe Rogan podcast where he was talking about an aspect of, of fighting that to him was like really one of the biggest issues in the sport, you know, Mm -hmm. of the weight classes and all that kind of stuff. Because even if the book itself is not super heavy on the sport, like they're going to talk about it. They're going to think about it. You still have to sound mildly intelligent about this job that they did, or at least I feel like I do. No, you do. Um, You do. So like, I wouldn't say that I spend, you know, months researching it, but like, as I'm writing, I'll kind of sit back and go, okay, in this scene, if he's doing this, what's likely, or like even football, both footballs, like British and American, like I watch both um, a lot. I understand the sport and the terminology, but like, I don't necessarily know what their weekly schedule is during the season. And like, what do they do on this day? And how many hours are they at practice and what days do they have off, you know, in British football, like when's the international break, how does that fall into my story and the timing of it? Like, because especially if you're writing, um, outside of your own country, like you better have your facts, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, do your, do your research and make sure that you may not get it perfect, but you know, you got to do your best to make sure that you're, Years ago, I read. Years ago, I read a book that the story takes place in Australia, and they said something about the Gold Coast. And then a couple paragraphs later, they talk about Perth. They are nowhere near each other. People, you're thinking of Brisbane, and my husband's family is Australian, so it's like I just I couldn't even finish the book. Like I just had to DNF it because I'm like, oh sister, look at a map. Anyway, you know, I had a Brit checker is what kind of her technical term is and oh um, smart so she went through and read my book when it was done and um she nailed me on some part of the process of making a cup of tea (laughs) and she was like Carla you are killing me over here you cannot put this in you will get crucified you have to take this out. And I didn't know, I don't drink tea. Like I'm not, I don't know what I said about the process of making it, but she was probably used a tea bag for me. I don't, I think I put milk in first or something like that. She's like, Oh, oh my gosh. Like, so don't worry, so, Kelly, I changed it. I changed it. That is so <laughs> funny. Um, so a lot of your stories deal with single parent romances. Um, it's, I mean, first of all, I don't think those are easy to write. You like picked one of the hardest tropes to do well out there. Um, so what inspired you to go single parent heavy or is it You're just like, the why characters? would you do that to yourself? Right. <laughs> kind of. I'm like, okay, sweetie, we're supposed, you should start out small and easy, but instead you give a guy know. like custody of his abandoned sisters and there's four of them. So smart. Good job. I know. So like, there's a reason that Disney does this in all their movies, right? Right. Like, mm-hmm. there is a reason. And it's because it immediately establishes sympathy for this character. Um, and you know that they're trying to overcome something big. Um, the other piece of it, I think, is just my own brain. Um, I learned about this concept from Sierra Simone at a um, retreat where... Um, and I haven't heard the talk that she was referencing, but it's like every writer has certain themes that kind of 
emerge in their stuff that just get their id going, right? That like unconscious part of your brain, like it just gets all your cylinders firing when you hit on these certain themes. And like, so for her, you know, she says, God, sex, and death. Those are my id things when I'm writing as, you know, Sierra Simone, if you've read any of her books, yeah. like those are themes that you see over and over and over in her books. And so for me, like in her listening to her talk about that, like unresolved grief issues are absolutely an id thing for me in my books. And I think that manifests in a lot of ways. Grief is not just the loss, like the death of somebody, like you know, with the Ward sisters, you have the abandonment, the voluntary abandonment of their mother. And that is grief that they have to process for, if you know, any normal person that takes a lifelong, right, to right. try to deal with something like that. So, you know, yeah, there's like a lot of dead parents in my books. And I didn't necessarily set out to do that on purpose when I was <laughs> thinking about my future career as a writer. But um, and I try to be cognizant of like, okay, don't repeat these themes over and over and over. Um, but you can still have grief issues that manifest in different ways. So like in Baking Me Crazy, which is my first book with Smarty Pants Romance, like the heroine Joss has unresolved grief issues with her, um, with the fact that she's paralyzed from the thighs down, but she also does not have a great relationship with her mother. And so like, those are still grief issues that somebody has to work through. Um, well, sure. Grief know. of a relationship is just as much is, you know, I mean, can be just as traumatic as, you know, losing somebody to death. I mean, there can be grief, even if you just cut yourself off from a toxic person. Absolutely. You can grieve so, the fact that that relationship's over. Yeah. So that's like one of my, I've learned that I've embraced it. And I think that there is something like, there's something really powerful when you figure out what those things are that you write about that really just get your, gets your brain going. Because I think that's where you start finding your groove as a writer. It doesn't mm -hmm. mean that you have to write the same story over and over, but like, if that's the thing that really gets me excited to write and makes it so that when I'm writing a story, I'm like crying with tears dripping down my chin, which happened numerous times in all of those word sisters books. Like that's how, you know, you're like hitting the right parts of your brain. Mm -hmm. right. For sure. You know? Well, cause you want, you know, part of the reason that I read romance is I want that emotional response. I want the emotional connection and I want that response. You know, if it's a super sexy book, I want that response. I want the emotional response to the emotional romances. That's part of what's attractive about this genre. So um, I will say, and then we can get to the next question. You do like a slow burn sister. <laughs> sorry. Well, in, in Aiden, it's okay. you can be Isabel, sorry, they were, they were a slow burn. Aiden and Isabel were, and you know what? I knew I knew that her book, before I really even knew much about Aiden, I knew Isabel's book was going to be a slow burn because mm -hmm. like, holy crap, she is stubborn and she is guarded and so guarded, not let people in easily. Um, and so I knew, and I warned my like hardcore readers, like in my reader group and stuff. I'm like, y'all, 
I just want you to know <laughs> this is going to be like a textbook slow burn. And trust me, there were times when I was frustrated when I was writing. I, just, like, I felt like I felt like they were in knocker balls. So those are those big, giant blow up clear balls that you run into each other with and just bounce off, but never actually make contact with the other person. What a great like, analogy. Aiden and Isabel are in freaking knocker balls running into each other, but their stupid walls are so high that we don't ever actually get any steam. <laughs> anyway, they make me crazy. But once like, they got there. Yeah. Then I just wanted more. And, you know, you said you're, it's going to be hard to let them go. Um, listen, if I, if you want to write like a series epilogue that's, you know, 30,000 words of just the two of them having sex. <laughs> I can do it, sister. Just send it my way. <laughs> you know, I know that if there was any couple that people could handle me writing, like, and this is the hard part, though. It's like if you try to write another book about them or something like that, like, I don't want to give them more issues that they got. Like, I just want them to be happy now. No, and they can be happy. I just need them to take off their knocker ball suits. We, Damn it. We will see them more. Okay. We will see them more. Okay, well, that leads into what's next. What's next? What's next? So mm -hmm. um, when I was trying to decide where to move after this, um, I've had so many people since I did the Washington Wolves books um, ask me for, because, you know, like in the bombshell effect, Luke has a daughter. Mm -hmm. And I just was like, you know what? I like writing in this world. I like the character, the family trees that I've kind of started building up. Um, and so I was like, I have enough characters that I've kind of introduced that there's no real reason why I can't stay here longer. Um, now, there's a challenge in that, which is some of those logistical things that we talked about, timelines and Right. Well, because Faith was like eight or nine. She was like six, actually. She was younger. She was one okay. of the younger. Um, I had to go back and check that the other day. <laughs> it's been a while since I read it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Faith um, was older when they got together. So, and then the, the new sister in that, like, yeah. in that couple was like quite a few years younger. Yes. And so to me, I was like, you know what? I really have like two directions I can take another generation. So... I have Faith and um, her name is Lydia. So she's Luke and Allie's other daughter. And then I have Emmett of Logan and Paige. I, right? I think Emmett is the one I'm most forward looking to. Everybody okay. has been asking me like, you're going to give Emmett a story, right? But like, it didn't make sense to me to fit him in with these four books. Like I mm -hmm. really wanted yeah. the sisters to have a complete arc and to feel like you, if you wanted to stop there, you have a complete story. I didn't want to jump forward again. So like putting those three characters as like kind of this, like the Washington Wolves next generation, right? Like mm -hmm. they all grew up in that world and they all can kind of be, you know, a little connected to each other. Um, and then I just kind of decided, I was like, you know what? I, I've got Anya who I introduced mm -hmm. in, you know, Forbidden. I want to know what happens to her. Mm-hmm. I want to know how many kids are Aiden and Isabel going to have? Why would I not just take Aiden and Isabel's kids? Okay, wait, but I would like Aiden and Isabel, I would like Aiden's siblings. I was going to ask that. Are we going to have okay. them? Because they They're, were okay. a riot. I, Her, their mother, she would be She could hilarious. just have a book herself. 
So this is something that was a really difficult as I was writing Forbidden. I didn't know where I was going to go next. Like I said, my brain typically doesn't work that way. I mean, the idea for the Ward sisters came out in the school pickup line probably two weeks before the marriage effect released. It had been done for mm -hmm. probably six weeks at that point. So the whole setup with Molly and Noah done, written, never anticipated that was going to become a book. I was in the pickup line going, I don't know what the heck to write next. Why can't my brain be like all those writers who are like, I have 15 ideas juggling right, in my head right. at all times. Like, I don't have that. And I was like, I got these girls. I bet people will love them. Like, I love them. I thought they were fun. Why don't I just jump forward 10 years and write their stories? So I, I wrote Aiden's family in a way where... I could if I wanted to, mm -hmm. but if I don't, they're just a really interesting family dynamic for a they really are, great yeah. character. You may have mutiny on your hands, though, if you don't write them. Well, particularly it's the brothers, because they're so funny. unique, and the sister is super sassy. Like I loved, yeah. She's, that was she's one of my favorite time. scenes. When I went back and I was reading back through for like final mistakes and stuff, I caught myself just like chuggling out loud some of those scenes with her well the one where she's in the kitchen with Aiden and his mom and she's just like hammering him like going at him I kind of felt sorry for him and his mom's like not even sticking up for him she's just like mm -hmm. yeah yeah what about that why not so I mean I don't know I see this is so silly but Aiden's mom there's a lady on TikTok that is the Minnesota salad lady. She takes and remakes Minnesota salads that aren't really salads. And she's she made got a like Snickers this, salad the other day. She has like this hair helmet. <laughs> she made a cookie salad that was like mandarin oranges, pineapples, cool whip, vanilla pudding, and cookies in it. Like so bizarre. Anyway, that's who I imagine Aiden's mom to be. <laughs> the well, Minnesota salad lady. Her up now. Oh my gosh. I'm going to check her out. She's hilarious. Oh my God. So funny. And so much jello and cool whip. So much. <laughs> so I'm not going to say like never, but the problem is like, and, and this is just one of those things that it's a timeline thing. I can't really like do a wolves next generation, but then hop back, you know, I mean, 10 years old. You can. I mean, Leah's they're... over here like, I don't care if you have to be home this time. <laughs> they're your books. You can do what you want. That's true. I can. I'm trying so... to think who did that, though. Somebody did that. I'm trying to. Tony Leo does that, actually, because she wrote like she... like her original Nashville Assassin's Hockey is like 17 books. She wrote The Next Generation. But I think the next book that comes out is kind of visiting some of the old people that had previously Penny been does a... that Penny does that with her cozy mystery books. She's like mm -hmm. writing in the gap of time that we haven't seen yet. Exactly. Yeah. And they're so, Leah's like, see, you can totally do right. it. Don't ever say never. Um, I know. And that's, that's the hard thing is like, I kind of had to make a decision and move forward. Like I'm halfway done with faith's book right now. And I love it. Like I, it's got some like faked, some of the same like faked vibes with like the bad boy and um you know she was kind of raised in like this football royalty world and um I'm really really enjoying it so 
I'm not gonna say that um I'm not gonna write a story about Aiden's siblings, but like it's just hard not right now. Just, not right now. You kind of have to just make a decision and move move forward. When well, you're not and, somebody who writes super quick, and I'm not. So well, and given that you're a bit of a planner, it probably is easiest for you when you've plotted out 18 months in advance and know where your deadlines and your goals are. Oh yes. So. Yes, yes, yes. That is like my brain would explode if all of a sudden somebody's like, quick, write this thing that you weren't planning on. Like I would shut down. It does but not work that way, folks. It, it's also something that you can visit if you decide to be a part of an anthology or, um, you know, spin it off if in a couple of years to somebody else if they want to invest in your world. So, I mean, you have potential. It doesn't have to be There's today. Leah will get over it. Leah will get I over like it. how you guys are somehow like adding to my workload. Like I You're didn't welcome. know signing up for this podcast was going to be like, oh, you can add this series. And by the way, start a universe and let somebody else. We're terrible influences. We are. We get yelled at almost weekly for like destroying TBRs. Well, and... but like the, I, the ideas that we talk about, because like the Wilders, we had a whole conversation about like turning their bad brothers into like bear shifters. No, but, like, they we started will, we, it. No, they did they start started it, we, it. We did not deny that. We encouraged it. Apparently, when Jacinda started, wanted to write the bads, she wanted to write them as shifter romances and they were oh. bears. But Jack did not like that. Jack yeah. said no. He said no, thank you. And so we said, you should go back and rewrite them like a special edition alternate because we reverse that where they're shifters so i like it yeah and they you're just, right you guys do have a this is like a pattern <laughs> we do we, it is it's we're notorious like that it's, it's part of our jam it's how welcome we welcome to the shenanigans that is <laughs> yeah, buzzing about romance why did i come on planner this? after this and erase everything i mean i write in pencil in my planner i'm not smart Smart. Not crazy, okay? Like how you pencils, <laughs> like an erase thing. The friction pens are really nice. If you want to go pens, those are super nice. The erasable friction pens, and they have Ooh. colors too. They're a favorite. I have a thing for office supplies. Um, okay, I'm gonna have to check those. I out. like my felt tip flares. Yeah, you can't erase those though. So I don't make. I mistakes. do need to be able to erase because I will. I will try to give myself like a chapter goal for the week. Like I don't write by word count. I write by like, okay, this week I have to do five chapters, whatever mm -hmm. that word count is. That's you what, know, what is. I have to get done. Um, but you know, sometimes your weeks just don't go as planned. So fair. I have to be able to erase things pretty easily. That's pretty fair. Well, Carla, thank you so much for joining us. Yes, for thank you. This episode of Buzzing About Romance, we are, we're so excited to get a chance to chat with you. It and was wonderful to be here, even if you have ruined all of my future plans. You are so no, we welcome. Have, we have major future plans. Amazing. Come back. Come back when you ever get stuck and we'll help you move forward in the next planning. I think we scared her away. <laughs> Probably. She's going to block us on all social media. Anyway, I'm thank be you. I'm too busy writing all these books in order to come back on your podcast. It's true. <laughs> I don't fair. have time for you. You gave me too much work. Work. <laughs> I can't think about this right now. So thank you so much. Thanks. Okay. So um, we have so much stuff coming up. We aren't taking the summer off, are we? No. 
we like no you keep piling stuff on i know like, right you're like leah can you do this can you add this can you change this for me well like, yes, i preface I it yes, with I how can. much are you going to hate me or will you kill me if i ask this so i kind of give you an out that's true but i don't so, ever say no you don't Leah doesn't say no. Okay, so let's tell everyone about Summer Reading Challenge and our virtual book club discussion. So coming up is our first official digital summer book club on Facebook and Discord. Um, So if you don't have Facebook, you can hang out with us on Discord. You can do both if you want. It, It doesn't really matter. You can find the books chosen. We picked for June, right? Right. Uh, no, the discussion no, is May. May 27th is the first discussion. We have five, five. books. Yes. Five books. So we chose our first book for May. Um, so you can find those choices on our Facebook page or any of our Instagrams. Um, yeah. We Social all media a, has I, them all listed. Mm-hmm. And join us on May 24th on either platform and chat about why you loved or didn't love the book that you picked. Yeah. Because so we have a contemporary romance pick. A sports romance pick, a dark slash mafia romance pick, a paranormal pick, and a romantic suspense pick, I think. Yes. That's all of them. Mm-hmm. That's so all of them. Um, our friends uh, Heather and Rachel are going to be leading most of the discussions, and we have a couple of our other Patreon members stopping in and helping out along with our buzzing about romance librarians. They're going to help us mm-hmm. a little bit, too. Um, so something cool that... Leah and I have started on our personal Instagram pages um, is love and lyrics. You can join us each Thursday on Instagram as we pair books with a theme song. We've done our favorite hockey book boyfriends, a song that is and paired that book with a song that is their anthem. Um, We've all picked a song that we think speaks to the book whiskey chaser by Lucy score and Claire Kingsley. And now, um, the Thursday before this episode drops, we are picking our favorite baseball romance and picking that player's walk-up song. Um, so you can join Lee and I, but we actually are also joined by Heather, who's Minnesota Hockey Mom Reads, Rachel, who is Read with Rach, and Carolina, who is Curl Up with Books, all on Instagram. So give everybody a follow and check out our love and lyrics. And then coming up, <laughs> oh, excuse me. Our June Drunk Book Club, our next p- book pick is Fix by Molly McAdams, and we are going to meet June 12th, 8 p.m. Central Standard Time via Google Meet. Um, to be part of our Drunk Book Club, you do have to be part of our Patreon, so you can sign up and get details there. Yeah, or if details you have any questions, website. or if you have questions, you can email us at info at book, uh, no, info at, at buzzing Either of them, bookcaseandcoffee.com we'll or buzzing about romance. Just there's now a contact page on our website. We didn't have one that before. Too. We have one now, so you can visit us at buzzingaboutromance.com and contact us. Um, okay, Leah, tell everyone what you're reading this weekend or week. I whatever. am reading The Blind Date by Lauren Landish. It is her newest book. I saw it's, it. It's pretty funny. I like it. Okay. It's a good one. I I well because she. Laura Landish does really good rom-com as well as just basic t- contemporary. She has like this yeah. really fun like fairy tale retelling series that she did that I really enjoyed, but she she writes good rom-com. 
This yes, is, she does write really good rom-com and cowboy romances. I really just like Lauren Landis. She just really writes too. great stories. Um, what so are you reading? I, my Not So Secret Baby by Penelope Bloom. Um, I'm reading it in prep of an upcoming quick shot of romance with Patreon member Lindsay. So we're going to review a secret baby romance. Sort of. What a surprise. Mostly secret. Mostly. <laughs> so I guess so, it's mostly secret baby right my mostly secret baby yeah the the this this is the beginning of like one of her new series and it's like my mostly something right whatever the trope is that she's writing yeah like she uses the trope in the uh in the title i like her she's another one who writes really great rom-com they're just funny Mm -hmm. so funny they're so ridiculous sometimes in a good way though right yes um okay so let's uh split this list up because there are so many good books that are releasing over the next week (laughs) it's everybody getting ready they're getting their books out for summer reading is really Mm -hmm. what this is so you can these next couple weeks are very book heavy yeah so um go ahead and start us out okay so we have tie me down by melanie harlow and that comes out on may 24th also my anniversary so happy anniversary to me (laughs) Um, Heavy Petting, which is book two of Boys of the Bayou Gone Wild by Aaron Nicholas. That comes out on May 25th. Um, Submerged, which is book two of the Kill Devil Hills series by Kaylee Cross, comes out May 25th. No Escape from War, which is Trouble for Hire book one. So a new series by Cynthia Eden comes out May 25th. Dear Rumi, a Rookie Rebels novel, I'm not sure which number in the series this one is, by Kate Meter, comes out on May 25th. And then we have A Kiss for a Kiss by Helena Hunting on May 27th. Blame It on the Tequila by Fiona Cole on May 27th. Untamed Ghost Cat Canyon by Delta James on May 27th. Wild Love, Juniper, Juniper Springs Book One by Melissa Schroeder on May 27th. And then Tate, a Scottish Mafia romance in the Mountain Men series by Jane Henry on May 28th. And Until Kingston by Shauna Swenson on May 28th. Yeah. So. But there's uh, more. Those are just some of the ones that we came across. A smattering of the ones on our radar. (laughs) Yeah. A small um so i'm gonna put a little blurb here if you guys are not signed up for our newsletter i would highly suggest you get signed up for our newsletter um we have a lot of cool fun events throughout this summer coming up and the newsletter checking out our website and joining our newsletter are gonna be the ways to stay informed um because so on the next episode i'm so excited for this next episode we are going to introduce you our listeners to the buzzing about romance librarians um, we're super excited. We've had these three ladies, Amanda, Laura, and Nicole have joined us. They are actual librarians. They work as librarians. <laughs> um, that is they, what they do. That is what they do. They do some other things too, but we're excited to have them join us to talk about, you know, they're, they're around to help get book recs, but they also have insight as to why people read more in the summer. Um, we're going to talk about what makes a summer read. And all the burning summer reading questions um, you have, we're going to answer them all. And they are also going to help us announce and share some tidbits about our upcomer. Uh, I was doing 
so good. Words you were did. not you hard were doing tonight. So good tonight. I was doing so good. Um, our upcomer, upcoming <laughs> summer readings challenge, and I'm so excited. So when we're recording this, I actually sent emails out today to authors that have been involved in the past in our podcast episodes in different ways and, or drunk book club or something like that, asking if anyone would like to be a part of our summer reading challenge. And I've had Delta James, the queen of swag has offered the queen of swag. She has she offered, has offered some swag and some new Jiffy swag Kate has stepped up. We have Lauren H. May has offered signed paperbacks in her summer night series. Like, so many fun things, so much cool stuff. So again, information will be linked in the show notes, but you also can get information on our website. Um, but the best way to stay informed is, you know, subscribe to the newsletter. So I think that's all we have tonight, today. I think it's a lot. We had a lot today. We did. And Carla was so fun. That was so fun. She was. And Leah, like only fangirled, like, you know, 50% of the time. Most of the time. But it's okay. We still love you. And we gave a shout out to the uh, Minnesota salad, not salad lady. <laughs> I can't remember what her username is. She's so funny. Anyway. I think I don't even know. <laughs> but that's just wild. It's so <clears throat> but funny. it happens. Yeah. All right. So thanks for listening, everyone. Until next time. Happy reading. Happy reading. Find us on Instagram at Buzzing About Romance or on Twitter at Buzzing Romance. If you like the podcast, please leave a review. If you'd like to support us directly, join the Bookcase and Coffee Patreon and receive exclusive content only available to Patreon members. Check out bookcaseandcoffee.com for our on-the-shelf show notes.